Welcome in again to the Talking Tide podcast, a Sunday nighter once again coming off Alabama's second fall scrimmage and final fall scrimmage of the camp. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined as always by longtime senior analyst from BamaOnline.com, Travis Ryer. Talking Tide podcast, of course, you can get it on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you prefer to get your podcast. We're live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube as well. So give us a like, give us a follow, give us a subscribe. Uh, the Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Get links to all the podcasts right there. And quickly want to thank a couple of sponsors, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and Caldera Men's Skincare, a new prop sponsor we'll be telling you about a little bit later in the program going to be joined by a special guest here on Talking Tide for the Sunday Nighter in just a few minutes, a former Alabama Crimson Tide football player. But first, Travis, just to touch on uh, the scrimmage pass for Alabama, Saturday afternoon, Alabama basically wrapped up fall camp uh, by the end of this coming week. I think they're going to already be into Middle Tennessee State-specific practices uh, so for the most part, uh, the generic practice, the fundamental practices, those are in the books. And uh, quarterback, once again, uh, top of mind for Alabama fans. Sounds to me like, uh, from, and I'm sure you've heard as well, Jalen Milrow got the, not only got the start and went out with the ones first, but I was told he was the only quarterback who played only with the ones so it's closed to media, as we all know. So you you can only take – you got to take whatever you hear with a grain of salt. But uh, for what it's worth, I, I thought that spoke a little bit anyway. Yeah, first, though, I want to mention the hat. That's the 2023 U.S. Amateur Golf Tournament that was contested out in the Denver area this weekend. Uh, Nick Dunlap, University of Alabama golfer, is your – U.S. Amateur Champion, so wanted to there get that go. out there. Congrats to Nick. I know it was a big moment for the entire program. Jay Sewell, his teammates uh, that were there, so good stuff for Nick. But as far as the quarterback situation, yeah, I mean, if you're going to tell me that one guy opened the scrimmage with the ones and the only action he saw in the scrimmage was with the ones, I'm going to take from that coming out of that scrimmage that He's still going to be working with the ones this week when you talk about Jalen Milrow. So are we at the point, Chase, where we would be a little bit caught off guard if it wasn't Jalen Milrow for the first snap against Middle Tennessee uh, in a couple of Saturdays? I don't think there's much doubt. He'll be the guy they roll with against Middle Tennessee State. Um, Nick Saban has uh, suggested the competition could go could be ongoing beyond week one. And we've we've seen that play out at Alabama under Nick Saban a time or two uh, when it's been a little bit unclear who uh, is going to be the starter. But it looks like certainly that Milrow is going to get the first go at it uh, for the Crimson Tide and uh, an exciting guy, a, a hell of an athlete. And, uh, and a guy that threw, I guess, three touchdown passes against Texas A&M last year in a huge home game for the Crimson Tide. So not a lot of experience, uh, but he's giving you a little taste anyway, Travis, of what he's capable of. Yeah, and I think from a makeup perspective, you got to be even more impressed when J- with Jalen Milrow than you've been at any point of his Alabama career to date. Because coming out of spring practice with Alabama adding Tyler Buckner to that mix uh, would have been easy for some guys to sort of just uh, – go fetal uh, in some different ways. So uh, good on him, hung around, competed, 
continues to compete because, as you alluded to, I don't think this thing is totally settled by any stretch at this point. So uh, if he does get that first opportunity, as we both anticipate will be the case now, it's going to be on him to continue to stake that claim snap by snap. Sounds like Caden Proctor, Travis, the true freshman, was working with the ones at the left tackle position. That's another uh, hotly contested battle throughout fall camp. Uh, what else have you heard beyond some of the some of that stuff? Yeah, Darian Dahlcourt working in there with the ones um, at right guard with J.C. Latham on that side. So uh, a couple of competitions that have continued on through fall camp. It does have more of the feel that at this point they're going to maybe let it ride with Caden Proctor over there on the left side. And, you know, if they were more along the lines of the last couple of teams where they were so much passing game and Bryce Young centric, I would be more concerned about that scenario. But if they're truly going to be a get downhill and run first type of offense and establish physical dominance from the opening snap, then I think you can you can go with a guy that is still very much in the growing stages of his development as an offensive tackle. And uh, there's things we know they can do schematically to try to help him. And if they're going to utilize two tight ends a good bit, which wouldn't come as, surpri- as a surprise to either of us, you know, that's just one of the things I would think. You kind of foreshadowed Caden Proctor winning that left tackle job, at least potentially last week after the first scrimmage. I think you mentioned that that the longer it goes uh, between he and Pritchett, the better off it looks for the true freshman. Uh, and at least initially to begin the season, you know, it's same qualifier, I guess you give the quarterback spot. But initially, it looks like Proctor is going to be the guy they're, they're going to give a go. Uh, left ta- You know, that we, when you and I came through Travis in college, it was pretty much automatic that all offensive linemen redshirt, right? And now you're talking, you know, and still I think most of them do. I think they probably redshirt more often even now than most positions. But you do see the true freshman pop through here and there and get to start these days a little bit more than you used to. Caden Proctor, one example. Yeah, and they've done it in the past with offensive tackles. I mean, you can go back to Andre Smith. You can look at Cam Robinson. You can look at Jonah Williams. But of late, it seems like more of these five-star tackles that have come in and seen the field early, it's been more inside at guard, and then they've moved outside, right? And Evan Neal. Yeah, Evan Neal. Um, Alex Leatherwood was a guy like that. So – uh, to to open a, a season opener, though, at left tackle, that's still somewhat newsworthy, I would say. And so, you know, a lot's going to be on Caden Proctor. But again, I, I think if if they are the kind of offense, the style of offense we expect them to be, that should help him in, in, in working at that spot if he is the guy. Because if they're run, 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 and then they take shots in the passing game, something can really help you in pass protection is if you can – dictate with the run game first and foremost no doubt about it all right here on talking tide we are going to bring in former alabama defensive back chris james great to have chris on the program a friend of mine a friend of travis's as well now for you alabama young blood fans maybe that don't go back to uh to 2000 to 2003 that was chris's era signed in the class of 2000 had his best year in 2003 as a senior still holds the Alabama single-season record for blocked punts in a season with four. Uh, And, of course, currently he is the secondary and special teams coach at Mitchell County High School in Camilla, Georgia, which is a little bit north of the Florida border, not too far from Tallahassee. 
Chris, it's great to have you on. Hey, guys, it's, it's good to see you. You guys haven't aged a bit. <laughs> hey, it's my favorite, one of my favorite players from one of the first years, really, that I showed up on the beat on an everyday basis at Alabama. Chris was a part of those teams and making that transition from, gosh, I guess, Dubos to, Ooh, to, Pry- to Fran to Price and then to Mike. I, I guess I got to start there, Chase, and just ask Chris, what was that like exactly? Because it, on the outside, it had it just had the look of total craziness. It was, it was, it because it was so different. Each coach that we went to, like kind of, Coach DeBose was kind of relaxed a little bit. He, he had his times where he was fiery, but then you went to Coach Fran, who was like a strict disciplinarian, like the closest thing you would get to Coach Saban. A straight, straight down the line, and then you came with Mike Price, who was the fun guy. <laughs> yeah, too fun. Seven oh seven. <laughs> seven all day doing practice. So the defensive backs and receivers loved it. Um, and then to Coach Shula, who was more kind of reserved, who was a, who was a reserved guy. Um, the thing about it, I learned a lot from from all of them, especially my defensive coordinators. You know, Coach uh, Coach Torbush. Coach uh, Ellis Johnson, Coach Kynes, uh, it was it was it was interesting. <laughs> Coach Joe Kynes seems like he'd have been a lot of fun to play for. Just dealing with him from a media perspective, uh, he would make us laugh pretty much nonstop. I, I know there's a different dynamic when it comes to dealing with players for those guys, but. Uh, you talk about one of a kind. That's yeah. Joe Kynes. Let me go. I think it's a nine point five out of ten. I like that. He was, yeah. he was outstanding. Funny yeah. guy, man. We 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 we. He was so serious, but it was funny to us. We were like, man, Coach Kynes is is, is one of a kind. Bring the Coach, juice. Yeah, yeah man. Coach Torbush. He was like everybody loved him, man. He was a great guy. I, I love Coach Torbush. Awesome. He, I think Coach Kynes actually hung around Alabama a little bit uh, post-coaching career and kind of worked as like a fundraiser slash, yeah. you know, uh, emeritus gladhander pretty much, right? Travis did it. Did, did yeah. some good work with that. Perfect for that. Yeah, his family was in Tuscaloosa, I think still is. So he had grandkids in the Tuscaloosa area, and uh, you'd see him at Northridge football games uh, in Tuscaloosa from time to time. Always enjoyed that, but – Tell me this: How did Dave Unger free you up, or did you just free yourself up on all those yeah, block kicks? He, I have to give him credit, man. Like um, my special team, what made me fall in love with special teams started before him with um, Coach uh, Tuberdall, and um, he got us like he made special teams fun. So by the time Coach Unger got there, like we didn't need any type of motivation, and he just used to tell me, "Go get it." <laughs> block left and turn right. I remember that. Block left or turn right. Go get it. And, Do you uh, remember all four of the opponents that you got a blocked punt on? I know one of them was Ole Miss. Yeah. I don't have the other three handy. Can can you can you lay them? You remember them all? Ole Miss. Well, the first one came against uh, Oklahoma. 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 Yeah. At home. And Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Uh huh. And then I think Southern Miss. Then Ole Miss. I can't remember the order. And then my last one came against Hawaii. You guys you go. got one. You guys got one at Oklahoma the year before too. Lance Taylor. With, Lance, Lance, Lance Taylor got that Lance one. Lance I was in Norman. Was that the same approach on the blocks, or was it a different thing that opened up? Because usually, if you get a block against a team one year, 
you're not going to get it the next, right? The one well, thing they're going to make sure of is you're not getting us again. Well, the crazy thing about it, it was two different staffs. Yeah. Because yeah, that that's was, true. Uh, yeah, but that I remember that block. I think it, if I can remember correctly, I think it came from up the middle. Okay. I wasn't blocking at that point. I was out blocking the gutters. I was split out wide blocking the gutters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't until um, Coach Schumann's staff got there to where they put me on the edge to go and block punts because I was a gunner for a long time and I was uh, blocking the gunners. So Yeah, you did it all. I remember, it was, yeah. It was, it was new to me to slide me on the inside. Love it. Chris, uh, before we let you go, got to talk about this 2023 Alabama football team with you really quick. What are your thoughts about uh, where the, what this team is looking like going into the season, coming off of last year, a couple of losses? For Alabama fans these days, that's a disappointment. It's a great year for just about anywhere, just about any time. Uh, but uh, how do you see this team playing this fall? Well, I think early on we're going to lean, lean on the defensive running game because the defense, I think I expect to be dynamic. Oh, the secondary is, ooh, it's airtight because most most years you'll see a guy like Earl Little starting. And, you know, he hasn't been mentioned in the Terry Arnold, Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, Trey Amos, you know, uh, situation. And it, it's, it's been kind of puzzling because I, th- I, was, I thought at the spring he was a shoe-in you know, to be one of those guys that was that they were going to depend on at one of those quarter spots or at star. But uh, but I, I just think that uh, we're going to be run heavy until uh, one quarterback uh, gets his feet, gets comfortable. It wouldn't surprise me if Lundigan ended up by quarterback at some point this season. The freshman. Yeah, because there's a lot that to like likes about him. him. Yeah. He's a gamer, man. He's a baseball player. You know how those baseball players are. They're different, man. They're confident. Gym rats, baseball players are, and, uh, and he's a pitcher, so yeah. he likes the ball in his hand, right? Yes. That, that says something about yeah. sometimes the makeup of a cat. So the confidence mm-hmm. is, is up here. Yeah, well, it didn't surprise them with him coming from Brookwood, a seven A school in Georgia that plays the best competition in Georgia. So the transition was easier, and, and I think that's probably part of the reason why Ty Simpson is struggling uh, to uh, like up and down is because of. Uh, the level he played in high school, hmm. you know, it wasn't seven, eight Georgia ball. So it's a, it's a transition, man, because that quarterback position, y'all know it's, it's, it's rough, man. It took Mac Jones, what, five years before he yeah. became that guy. So yeah. I just think that Ty, I don't think that, I think that he's more than capable. I just don't think he's ready right now, hmm. but if he sticks around, I, I fully expect him to uh, get a shot at some point. Now, as know. a special teams coach at Mitchell County, are you going after kicks? Oh, you, you, know you got somebody on the edge that they can get to them or no? You, you know what? And the crazy thing about it, uh, my son is actually on the edge. <laughs> ah, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. just committed to Alabama, so yeah. we're officially to that point, I guess. That, crazy. That, that kid, I know, man. That kid there is is a stud, man. I, I love um, he, he, uh, Kirkpatrick and the Morgan kid, man. It's not about stars, man. It's like just watching film. You got to have dogs on the back end, and I think those two guys are dogs, you know. Um, and I just, I just believe that they'll ditch out a roll um, down the line in our secondary, man. I, I love, a, I love the recruiting that they're doing. Going to be a DB heavy class coming up, no doubt about it. it. Six DBs it. committed now for twenty twenty four. That's a lot. Yeah, that, any more, of course, Chris, college football, the way it's played now, the nickel is the base. 
Whereas back in your day, it, it, you, you might not see, <laughs> see that. See, Chris, you were a little too. Down. You were just a little too early, man. A little too early. Man. Got all these DBs on the field, and you played. I mean, it wasn't that you didn't, but I had to take all those. You got to like this era where all these DBs are out there. Oh, I would have loved it. I, I, I love this era. This wide open spread. That's more my cup of tea. This wide open yeah. spread era because yeah. we were we were seeing a lot of twenty one and twenty two personnel. <laughs> when Relax. I was yeah, and the old the old then. school strong safety, you know, who would be 215, 220. Well, they, they're just making that guy a linebacker now. They're playing the wheel. They're playing the wheel now. Yep. We yep. saw that with Mark Barron in the NFL. Remember when Mark Barron yep. transitioned from safety to pretty much the wheel? Uh-huh. Yep. And that's when all this was really starting to change. And yes. here we are. Like quarter quarters are playing safety now. The quarters, mm-hmm. like bigger quarters are playing the safety position now. And it's like the 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 athleticism of these kids these days, man. It's just, it's just. But all these kids still want to play wide receiver, Chris. That's There's right. all these jobs up for grabs, but they still want to play offense. What's up with that? <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> it's 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 the glory, man. I call it the social media age. That <laughs> is a social glory. media like, position. Nobody wants the glory. Nobody wants to get their hands dirty. Yeah. Uh, like back in our day, so it's all about looks. Uh, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you know right, what Chris. else you don't see on social media? You usually don't see wide receivers looking bad on social media, but how many times do you see corners <laughs> getting true. beat on social media? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You got to be a little tougher to play corner mentally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you yes. just do. It's, you got to be able to tackle when it's the edge, you know, come up, especially in cover two. Um, you have to be able to, to, to solidify that edge and, and, and lay some wood, man. You have to yeah. be physical. No doubt about it. All right, Chris, we're going to let you go, man. So much fun to have you on the program, though, here on Talking Tide. We should do it again. We should bring it back at some point during the season. I'm sorry, man. My sinuses are acting up. Oh, it's all good, man. It's all good. That's the side, man. It's so good. All right. Appreciate you. We'll see you, man. Chris. Good luck this season. Talk to you soon. Good dude, man. There he goes. Chris yeah. James, former yeah. Alabama defensive back and special team standout. Four blocks Eight. in a season, Travis. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I remember it. That was my first year on the beat, I think, that he did that. So, uh, you talk about looking for some highlights at a time when there weren't many. Chris uh, Chris produced a few of those in 2003, no doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on, going to thank a couple of sponsors really quick. Going to start by telling you about a new sponsor here on Talking Tide, and that's Caldera Men's Skin Care. First impressions matter, and this one is one way to do it right. Now, Travis, Caldera sent us a team of four products a few mm-hmm. days ago, and, and look, at full disclosure, it hadn't had time to change my life yet, uh, but I'm a guy with a minor rosacea issue. That'll redden up my face here and there and we live in the south travis the sun will turn your face to leather if you're not careful so i'm going to follow this regimen over the next four weeks uh the four caldera teammates are called the clean slate the base layer the icon and the good and i'm going to highlight one of these four products each week travis does his alabama football practice watch along we'll call this the caldera long okay (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I'm starting with the clean slate, which is a cleanser. It's not too sticky. It'll dissipate on your face uh, pretty much right away, but you can feel the action with it. I'm a beard guy. I didn't work around the beard. I've just been running it right through there with no problem at all. So, so far, so good on the clean slate, Travis. And again, we'll highlight a different product over the next four weeks. 
And now just for the Talking Tide audience, Caldera is offering 20% off with the discount code TIDE. So go to calderalab.com slash TIDE and save 20% right now on Caldera Lab men's skincare. Once again, that's calderalab.com slash TIDE. Yeah, what I like too is what I'm finding anyway with the Caldera uh, care package that we received, the clean slate that you mentioned. Uh, you can put this baby in the shower and just use it in the shower. That way you don't have to think about it. Or when you're in the shower taking care of business, just go ahead and hit that foam. A little bit is all you need, about four pumps. Apply it to your face. I'm one of those people. I'm either oily or I'm way too dry. It doesn't seem to be much of a middle ground. So uh, I'm interested. I'm very interested to see how this clean slate specifically works. But all of it looks great. Peterbrook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, also, of course, a fine sponsor of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Travis, tell us a little bit more about Peterbrook. Peterbrook, man, it's football season. You're going to have that big watch party. Uh, you're going to have those tailgates. Uh, they're going to take great care of you, as they always have, going into their 17th season of Alabama football as well. Peterbrook right alongside Nick Saban in that regard. But get by 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. There you see those chocolate footballs. Those are always a hit this time of year. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Moving on again, the Twitter feed is Talking underscore Tide. I want to thank Chris James, former Alabama defensive back, for joining us here earlier on the program. Travis, a couple more minutes here before we close things out. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, you mentioned the junior commitment for the Crimson Tide, a legacy. You know, w- within. I don't know, a year, two years of Nick Saban coming to Alabama, 2007 to nine or so. It was always the talk, Travis, that he was going to be gone in a blink, right? He'd never stayed anywhere long. He had that nomad reputation. He'd left the Dolphins after just two years, and he couldn't get away from that um, perception, right, that that he was just going to be up and gone. And uh, something like this, Kind of puts a slam dunk on that whole narrative, doesn't it? Yeah, and if I had told you when he was hired that the total for the Nick Saban tenure at Alabama was eight and a half, you would have jumped all over the under. At eight and a half, you would have jumped. I, I don't know anyone who wouldn't have. And now he's on the verge of doubling the eight and a half at 17 years. So, yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, and, uh, again, see Dre's son – Uh, making that commitment to Alabama and a very heavy defensive back class for the 2024 group. Uh, It's just, it it makes me feel older than I already feel pretty much on a morning to morning basis. No doubt. Jerry Kirkpatrick, uh, former Alabama standout cornerback, his son, also a defensive back was also recruited, I believe by Arkansas. I think Missouri was in on him Had a couple of uh, sec schools. He ends up, uh, following in the footsteps of his father and uh, be playing for Nick Saban next fall. All right, Travis, before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast, going to hit that two deep tumbler one time really quick and uh, see who falls out. Talk about that a little bit and then uh, 
then we'll be moving on. So see what comes out of that tumbler today. It's going to be, uh, be number 20. That would be the aforementioned Earl Little, Travis. We discussed him briefly when we had Chris on the program a few minutes ago, uh, a guy who's um, got to figure pretty heavily into the mix for playing time. I don't think there's much doubt about it. Now, where is he, where is he going to be exactly? A little harder to say. I think that nickel spot is probably where he's most comfortable, but we should be seeing a lot of him. Yeah, I, I think he will. I think special teams also, uh, he, he certainly projects in that area. Um, but as a second-year player to be in position, you know, this is a guy that was impacted, I think, too, by the transfer portal. And you look at it and you say, well, Jalen Key doesn't play star and uh, Trey Amos doesn't play star. That's true. But they play positions where if they're in the mix at safety and corner, respectively, they spree up other guys to play the star, like Malachi Moore, like Terion Arnold. So, I think Earl Little the second is still very much, very much in the plans for this Alabama defense. Will it be as early as the first defensive snap of the opener against MTSU? I don't know at this point, um, but he was a guy in the spring that was talked about as a starter, which tells me uh, he is still going to be in that mix. Uh, and it's a great situation. I, I think what we're understanding is that with Key coming in, and Amos coming in, Alabama got it right with the portal. They made themselves not just better, but perhaps a lot better on the back end of that defense. And look, this is all a byproduct of what Nick Saban wants, and that's competition, not just a little bit either. He wants elite competition, and um, they had some departures, uh, but it looks like they backfilled and, and maybe improved uh, not just by a little bit. Now, Amos could end up being an extremely valuable player for this defense. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, and, and, you know, they ended up getting five guys out of the portal total, I think. And I think Amos was the last one uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of slip through there uh, on the back end. But uh, certainly he's heavily in the mix at the outside corner spot at least. And, um, you know, defensively, I think I think the staff's high on – Jalen Key as well. Speaking of those guys, I heard Tresman Marshall look good in the second scrimmage as well, Travis, as we just kind of get ready to sign off here. He's another one that's going to be looked at to play a lot of football. Yeah, he is. And that was the anticipation. And what you hoped for Trez and you continue to hope is that the injury bug that was such a problem for him at Georgia uh, is going to be in his wake for the most part. He's gone more than a year now, I guess it is. Uh, in, in pretty good health, so you hope that continues on. Because if it does, uh, absolutely, he should be in that top three mix at inside linebacker. If not, certainly one of the two starters. Uh, and as we know, if you're a top three guy in the inside linebacker race, you're you're probably going to have a role of some sort. And um, right now, as we sit here, I, I'd be surprised if we didn't see Tresman Marshall out there early with Deontay Lawson. All right, that's going to wrap it up for Talking Tide. A quick programming note for our listeners and viewers of course sunday night is is uh, a typical staple for us although next week with the depth chart reveal coming on monday it make more sense to do a podcast next monday night instead of next sunday night and so more than likely uh we'll reconvene monday evening which of course will be uh ahead of the week one game against middle tennessee state looking forward to it and of course as always uh, the Talking Tide podcast is going to uh, begin a uh, twice-weekly schedule 
once we get into that. So for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and co-host of Crimson Cover Television. And we'll talk to you next Monday night right here on Talking Tide.